Well, we're going to talk about Psalm 103 today. Uh, and this is, again, one of those psalms where I felt like we could just preach this every single year and talk about it. You know, my hope over uh, reading through some of the psalms and sharing these things is that uh, you would take some time to really read these psalms or listen to them if you're using the Dwell app, which I highly recommend the Dwell app. It's free to you because we pay for it for you. So let me know if you haven't got that yet. Uh, to really just consider uh, these uh, songs, uh, their stories, their songs, their stories, their somebody's story. And it's the intersection of God and man. And I just love that we get the when this window, this insight into uh, a lot of David's life, but others' lives as well. And I pray you'd read these slowly. Read these in a quiet place. Consider them. Uh, take what I share this morning uh, as something to ponder and contemplate uh, to really consider, okay? I love being able to you know, go deep with these psalms and share some of these deeper things. So what I'm going to do today is um, share with you uh, my awareness uh, as I read through the different sections of this psalm. Uh, as a, I'm an you know, introverted, reflective kind of person, uh, and so when I read scripture, oftentimes a question comes up for me. It's a reflective question that I consider my own spirituality, where I am in my life with what I'm reading. What does it kind of bring out of me? Um, and so I have a question uh, that I'm going to share that, is, that came up for me uh, in these different sections of the psalm that we're going to read and look at today. Uh, so let's going to start just with uh, verse 1. And verse 2, okay, and then I want to give you, uh, after I read verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 103, I'm going to give you just kind of this big picture thing that really just stuck out for me of this uh, whole psalm. Verses 1 and 2 here, uh, as I read earlier, uh, David writes this, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my in inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Uh, if you, if I make you fall asleep this morning, uh, if you just remember uh, one thing today, I just would love you to just remember this, okay? And I read these first two verses, and I just want to say to you this morning that your life with God, your relationship with Him, your spiritual life can reach and touch the deepest parts of you. There is no depth that he created that is out of his reach. This is inspiring, church. This is inspiring. There are deeps, depths, a part of who you are, a part of your humanity. We're mental. We know this. We have a brain. We have a mind. We're, we're physical. We know this. We are social. We're connected beings, right? Uh, even through this pandemic and isolation, we are still connected. We're relational beings. And we have a soul. We have an inner life. We have these deeper parts of us. The soul uh, is described as the emotional part of us. Uh, it could be described as the most inner part of us. It's a part of our humanity, a part of who we are. That's what the word soul there is. It isn't just mind. That's not what the Hebrew word is there for soul. It's the inner part. It could be emotional part the uh, or desire part. It's the 
deeper part of us. And I read this verse, first two verses, and I just like am inspired that there's no depth to my life and who I am and my humanity that he created. He created my soul. He created every, every part of me. He created me this way. It's inside of me. And there's nothing, there's no depth that he created that's out of his reach, that's out of the reach of his message, his hope, his love, his life that he has offered to me. Can I just quit the sermon right now? We good? Are we good? Why does this matter so much, church? Uh, this is why this matters, this one truth here that I'm hoping you remember. Doesn't pain go deep? I've been in ministry 20 years. I started preaching when I was 16, okay? Uh, doesn't sadness go deep? Doesn't fear go really, really deep? Doesn't fear affect you to the deepest parts of you that you stay stuck, that you can't make change, that you can't take a risk? Doesn't even happiness and the desire for pleasure go deep? We know that through addiction and study of addictions that it's like you can't break that. You can't get out of this mold that you, you, you need to have that immediate gratification. You, you think of like withdrawal of not having that, the pain, the physical thing. It's all connected. This matters so much, church, because there's things in our lives that go deep. The deep things, the painful things, these shameful things that are deep inside of us wreck our jobs, wreck our marriages, wreck our parenting, wreck our friendships, wreck our other relationships. They're wrecking our society. Why does this matter? Why is this so inspiring that there's no depth that any shame, pain, fear, or loneliness has touched that our God cannot heal, touch, uh, come under and hold and provide security and hope for. There is no thing, no depth that our creator can't go to and heal and touch. That's what I hope you hear this morning. Uh, I would pray and hope that you would reframe your story of God, your story of your life with God, this journey, that you would reframe it to be about a journey about letting God go to the deepest parts of you. That's why I love pastoring. That's why I feel like I'm in ministry. That's why I'm doing this. That's why we're, 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 we brought Esther on, you know, that's why we, you know, I'm really relational. That's why I have a relational team here that we love each other and care about each other. We're concerned. This is why we're doing this to create a body, a church community, a church life and culture that is about this right here, letting God go to the deepest parts of ourselves. Uh, you know, as I also read at verse one and two, um, you know, I think about what, man, what caused David to say this, that uh, for him in his deepest parts, he praises God uh, in his deepest parts, right? Uh, I think about, man, because God's done so amazing things for him that would elicit this kind of response. What is it? And here's the question that for me, it came up as I just read this is, man, has has, has he done enough for me to say this? Uh, has God in my life right now, I mean, I'm turning 40 this year, been a follower of Jesus for 24 years in ministry for a lot of that time. 
Has God done enough for me to say in my deepest parts, the deepest of me, I praise you. Okay. In the deepest parts of me, uh, can I lift praise and honor and recognition to God and how good and wonderful he is? Has God done enough for me? Okay. To say this, right? Has God done enough for you yet? It's okay. If you're not there, I'm just, just a question. Think about it. Okay. Maybe you can't say, praise the Lord, oh, my soul, my almost being. You can't say that. Okay. Has he done that? Verses 1 and 2. Uh, sorry, verses 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Freaking out all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, okay? David describes how God has blessed him, what he's meant to him, his benefits, that his reward that he received from God, his forgiveness and healing and redemption from the pit, crowning with love and compassion. This is a great story, folks, right? Satisfying my desires and renewing my youth. So if he's saying this, he's probably older, okay? We don't know for sure, but probably older, probably lived some life, been through the ups and downs, and he has a list, and I asked myself the question as I read this is what's on my list? What if I told my list? What if I wrote a song? What's on my list? Would my list include the things that God's given me? Or would it also include some of the deeper things, the deeper impact that God has had on my life? What's on your list? What's on your list if you're writing Psalm 103 and verses 3, 4, 5? What's your list? Is it healing? Is it forgiveness? Is it redemption? Those are some good things. Verse 7 and 8. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Uh, also verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Okay. Verse 8. The Lord is compassionate. And the gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Read that again, verse 8, key verse. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is what came up from me as I asked this question. Is he my safe place? Is he my safest place? See, God reveals to David uh, that he is compassionate Understanding, gracious, slow to anger, bounding in love. Uh, you know, in this, when David talks about these things, you have to recognize that compassion and grace is what draws us to God. Him being compassionate and gracious, okay, uh, is what draws us to Him. If I kind of, I kind of have this thought that if humans didn't really need love and compassion, that maybe we wouldn't. Um, Turn to him. I don't know. It's a, it's a good thought to think about. Uh, maybe you could also say that that's why you need a spirituality that goes so deep. Because this is a need in our lives, that, and we need a spirituality that engages our soul because we crave this so much. Is he my safest place? The place I feel most compassion and the place in which I feel most grace? That's a powerful question, church. That came up for me. Are you, Lord, my safest place, the place of greatest compassion and most grace? Verses 9 through 13, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. 
Verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, as a father has compassion on his children. There it is again. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Oh, what a powerful verse, church. Um, you know, when I read this, the question that came up for me is, uh, who is it that I know is God? Do I know him like I, what I just read? He's separated my sin like as far as the east is from the west. That, that his love is so huge, you know, as far as the heavens is above the earth. Is this who I know to be my Lord? Or do I know another God? Or do I know a Lord that's too angry and too far off and a God that has a list against me that I can't come close to because I've got this divide and all these things against me? Who is it that I know? Do I know a gracious God? Do I know a compassionate God? Do I know a God that has forgiven me of so many things that cause me shame and guilt that has crept the deepest part of my heart and soul? Church, do you hear me this morning? Who is it that you know? Okay. Verses 14 through 16 says this. David writes, for he knows, for God knows how we are formed. Uh, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And it places and its place remembers it no more. You know, he comes to some self-awareness here. We've been talking about self-awareness all year, church. He comes to some self-awareness here. And here's a question that I came up with that I just immediately, my heart responded to as I read this in my own awareness, in my own, where I'm at in my life. Have I forgotten who I am? Have I gotten too proud? Um, have I been too distracted by my X, Y, Z? Have I forgotten that I'm just a blade of grass? Have I forgotten that God's this immense, wonderful, amazing God created the universe? And while I may have X, Y, Z, whether it's money or, or a position or a title or this or that, wherever I'm at in my 40 years of life up to this point, but I'm just a blade of grass. Have I forgotten who I am so that I know so that I turn from God? Okay. David recognizes how fragile he is. Uh, what a self-awareness here that, that, that we're like dust, okay? S that his days are like grass. I mean, this has to be kind of towards, uh, not the beginning of his life, right? It's got to be kind of towards the middle or the end of his life. But he's reflecting and having just awareness of knowing how fragile we are, how fragile he is. Have I forgotten who I am? Have I forgotten what I am? See, this brings you to God. Uh Verse 17 and 19, 17 through 19. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Verse 19, the Lord establishes his throne in heaven and his kingdom. This is important. And his kingdom rules over all. Listen, church. And we've all been through some difficult things, and David had to. And for David, he recognizes the big long-term picture. He sees he's going to be with God forever because it's grace and compassion. 
Uh, and this is what happens when you kind of recognize that. You know, I'm talking about awareness, not just awareness of self. It never ends there. This is awareness of God. And if you are aware of God, I, I ask this question, you know, we're, we're, am I blind to saving hope? The hope for my life isn't that it's all going to work out as I understand it. The hope for my life isn't that uh, what I want in this natural world, in this lifetime, I'm going to get. Am I blind to the saving hope, the hope that God does reign over all and that there's nothing, uh, Chuck Swindoll said this, there's nothing uh, under his control that is out of his control, okay, uh, that we, we, we put our hope in this. Am I blind to saving hope? Okay. Verses 20 through uh, 22. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Verse 22. And the and kind of the conclusion of this story, of his journey, praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Uh, David's end to his reflection, his thinking, his contemplation on his journey, on God's goodness, is praise. I love this. And I asked myself the question, it just brought me to a moment of awareness is, does my reflection result in praise? Does my reflection end in bitterness, frustration, anger? What is it? What is it, God? And does my reflection result in praise? Okay. I want to give you a summary, really, of what Psalm 103 is. Okay. And then I want to kind of apply this to your life uh, quickly here. Psalm 103 is a witness of a long journey with ups and downs and all arounds of awareness, understanding, and practice. I'll say that again. Psalm 103 is David's witness of a long, lengthy journey of awareness, understanding, and practice. Okay. Uh, here's a good way to illustrate this. If all we had of Scripture was Psalm 103, and this is kind of hard to visualize or imagine, but pretend like all you had was Psalm 103. No other Scripture. Okay, We don't know things about David. All we know is this guy writes this Psalm 103, writes this thing. We're reading this. If all we had was Psalm 103, okay, just this witness of a man talking about this God, Okay, it would resonate with us because of the depth of our humanity. It would resonate with us because of our deepest needs, our deepest wants, our deepest fears, our deepest pain. This would be a really, really effective way to give hope. This would be a really, really effective way for us to say, wait a second, I may need this God. Read it again this week. Read it like Psalm 103 is all we had about Yahweh, about the Lord. It's all we had. What an incredible witness of a lengthy journey of awareness, 
some understanding about God, perspective really, you know, and then the practice of praise. Of just I just praise God. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a um, that's something that comes out of something, right? We respond to God. Praise never starts with you; it's a response to God and who He is. Okay, this is an inspiring psalm, church. Okay, this is a an inspiring psalm. Okay? If you were to take some time to reflect on your life with God. Uh, and I'm going to say it this way, okay? We're, we're all in the middle of our journey, okay? We're not at the end of our journey. After a life, I don't know, however many years that is for you, after a life with God, and you do some reflection at the end of your life, you will, you will respond with praise too. Okay, let that sink in for a second, Okay. After reflection on your life with God, you will respond with praise to you. I didn't say can, and here's why. Because Jesus died for you to remove the consequence, the ultimate consequence of sin, of pain, shame, fear, loneliness, these awful things that wreck your lives. Because Jesus died to give us this song as our reality. I, I'm saying that after reflection on your life with God, after all your life, right, you will respond, not can. I'm telling you will, as I promise, as a biblical truth, you will respond with praise because Jesus died to make this reality in your life. This is what Jesus promises as Psalm 103, that after a life of walking with God, that you will say in your deepest parts, deeper than any sin, deeper than any guilt, deeper than any pain, deeper than any fear that may have lasted your whole life, you will yet praise him at your deepest parts because God went there. Because at the deepest part of your inmost being, there was God. And there was no deep place that he created that he can't reach. Psalm 103 is a promise, church. Psalm 103 is a promise. I pray this over you today. I'm going to pray this over you before we close. Uh, let me give you a switch of something, kind of a shift of a paradigm, maybe. This is personal, but also I think it's a biblical truth, okay? Uh, maybe you've searched in this world for God. Uh, and come up empty, you know? Maybe you've read that book on apologetics, defense of the gospel, right? Uh, trying to make the gospel fit, you know, rational reason, you know, those type of things. He just didn't cut it for you. It wasn't there for you. Maybe got burned by our church, a church, church people. Everybody's got a story probably, right? Uh, so you didn't find God there. That, nah, not praising God after reading that book on apologetics. I, no, no, not praising God after hearing about this moral failure of this awesome pastor that I follow, right? 
Maybe you didn't find God there, not going to find praise there, right? But I'm going to ask you this question, church. What my guide for you today, my instruction, my direction for you is to search within for God. Because there's no deep place inside of you that God can't go. Search within for God, like David. In your inmost being, find God. In your inmost part, in your soul, in your emotions, in your desires, in the deep part, find God. This has been my journey. Uh, you know, Esther and I, we talked about being in seminary together and it's a very academic place. And I remember spending Friday nights in the library and man, reading books and writing papers and all this stuff. Wasn't that good at it. And frankly, I just wasn't passionate about a lot of those academic things. Not to knock it, just wasn't passionate about it. Uh, I took a class on apologetics, just wasn't my thing, didn't connect with me, wasn't passionate about it. Um, you know, I never really get into arguments of the faith and all that. And what it has been my journey, what I found is as I've walked my own darkness and looked at that, those things, I found a God who's enough. I found a God who's enough. And I'm your pastor now because of it. Uh, I'm talking about these deep things because of it. And so I want to bring up a quote um, to share with you today uh, that's kind of a, a harder thing to process. But I want to bring up this quote. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to ask you to read it too. Uh, this is from a guy who wrote this book called A Grace Disguised. It's um, uh, a book about grief and loss. And he says this, and I just think this summarizes my sermon today so well. Okay. He says this, The quickest way for anyone to reach the sun in the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. Can I read that again? The quickest way for anyone to reach the sun in the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. And I'll tell you, you know, reading over this psalm, and I'm just tearing up now. Church, and I, I've run towards the darkness in my own heart. And I tear up, not because it's uh, it hurts so much, but I tear up because, man, I found God, you know. I wasn't raised in church, you know, and man, I've been wounded in my childhood. Uh, I faced failure and loss. I, you know, hard things. I've walked a lonely road at times. And I'm telling you, if you will face your past, if you will face your anger, if you will face your sin, I don't care what it is. 
If you will chase God, if you will chase it down, if you will go towards the east, towards the darkest, church, it is the quickest and best, and I would also say the only path to find the light of Jesus in your darkest parts. This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for our church community. This is my vision for our church and what we're doing and for people that we could guide people like David to go to the deepest parts to experience healing and transformation and praise God because of it.